it's Anthony Chadwick from the Webinar Vet, welcoming you to another episode of Vet Chat, the UK's number one veterinary podcast. And I'm super pleased to have Lennon Fu on the line. Lennon is a veterinarian, uh, but also a, can I say, yeah, Lennon, if not, I'm, I'm sure it will be very soon, a best-selling author as well. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> Lennon has uh, just written a book, Vet for Life, Thriving in Veterinary Practice. And uh, I'm very keen, Lennon, to to uh, talk to you about the book. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you qualified from, where you're practicing, etc. Uh, yes, so I'm from origin from Singapore, and I came over to UK in 99 to study veterinary medicine in London at the RVC. Um, and after qualifying uh, there in 2004, I've moved down to Devon and has been in Devon ever since on all around Devon for different jobs before opening uh, MIT Veterinary Care in Newton Abbott about six years ago. Um, and since then, I've just been building the practice. And, and Devon is a beautiful part of the world to live in as well. I, I've been down there uh, for the last couple of years on holiday, more towards Cornwall, but... Uh, it is a it is a beautiful part of the world, and I know you've opened Amity Vets about six years ago, and we were talking about it before the podcast. Very much, tell us a little bit about your ethos, because this is a very niche practice in Newton Abbott's beautiful little town. But it's you're not the only vet in the town, are you? No, no, we're not the only vet in the town. There are like five other practices, and hence when we opened up uh, Amity. We had to adjust like any other business, really, to find out um, why me, why now, what, what is going to be different uh, with Amity. And um, so far, we have, uh, we, I opened Amity with the intention of wanting to solve the four big, what I consider to be uh, challenges in the vet profession currently, which is high depression, high attrition, high suicide rate, and also low profit margins. Um, so what we do at Amity has to address a bigger picture of these four challenges. Um, and with that in mind, we have offered a very, very specific service to very specific guardians. And our way of thinking is quite different from how a, of all the practices I've worked before, I can't say about all the practices in the UK, but certainly all the practices I've worked before, uh, to solve, to have different answers we need to address. Um, we need to do things differently because if we do the things exactly the same, we'll get the same result, which we're not wanting to. So our sort of uh, our client avatar is quite specific. Uh, not anybody who has a pet is our client. Just like not anybody who wants a car wants to buy a Rolls Royce. So uh, we have marketed ourselves a little bit higher up, more like uh, we've been described as the Aston Martin uh, of uh, vet medicine, if there's such an equivalent in cars. Um, so our sort of client avatar, they're not exactly rich because we've been accused of that as well. And Newton Abbott is not a rich town. So it's not as though we're in Chelsea or something like that. Uh, however, our client avatar is uh, one of three categories. One is someone who wants to be, uh, who wants to learn more because our sort of a core purpose is to empower you through education. For pet gardens who do not want to learn, um, they wouldn't see any value in what we do over here and hence will not be paying our prices. The second one is uh, who wants to be treated more than just another number. That's also another common complaint or comment that we get from our clients to say that at another vets, they just felt like they were a number and they just push along and next, so to speak. 
So we wanted to make the code differently. So we pride ourselves in our customer service. And the last one is um, for pet guardians who want to build, who actually want to build a relationship with the vet, not just use us like a public toilet. So our clients usually fall into one of these three categories or more than, or, or one or, or two or three or all three, uh, in fact. So that's our sort of client base. And uh, we have a group of very small but dedicated um, clients that allows us to vet how we want to vet because what we do not want to do is to compromise our own values as well in running a vet practice that doesn't address the four big challenges of what is facing yeah. the vet profession right now. I think it's so important to niche. You know, we did the same uh, with the webinar vet. We decided that we weren't going to do offline training. We were only going to do online training. Um, yeah. And also that we were going to be a bit different because there were companies out there that were obviously doing training, but it tends to be very clinical. So, for example, we were the uh, first business really to go to the uh, Royal College and say, you've set up the Mind Matters Initiative. This is amazing. But actually, let's do something practical. And we did an eight week course with the Royal College on um, mindfulness. And of all of the things we've done clinical wise, People come and say, your clinical material is excellent. But actually, the Mind Matters Mindfulness Training changed my life because I went on holiday and I relaxed. Or I don't shout at my nurses anymore. So I think it's really important. Uh, you know, obviously, a veterinary surgeon is there or a veterinary surgery is there to treat the animals. That's obvious. But how can you make yourselves a bit different? And so I think you've done a great job with the niching. And then also this um, USP or your strap line empowering through education. Having that ability to really educate the clients as well as get the pet better. Because if the pet is uh, getting better, that's partly because the client is following your instructions well. And I often found um, in my practice, I wanted more time with clients and certainly with my dermatology referral hat on, the reason I did so much better than the vets who'd referred the case, a lot of that was just simply down to the fact that I had an hour with the client rather than 10 minutes. Obviously, I knew a little bit more about dermatology, but actually the time is, is crucial. So do you also have longer appointments at Amity than maybe the, the normal practice? Yes, uh, we do. So our standard appointments are half an hour and sometimes they do go longer than that. Uh, and because of how specific we are in our marketing and our niche of clients, um, they would, number one, understand that um, we are pricier than other vet practices. So even though we're the youngest vet practice around here, we are the most expensive around. However, if vet, if money is a, by, is a byproduct of value creation, it just means that we need to create more value. Not what we consider as value, but what they consider as value because it's them paying us. So we do have longer sort of uh, appointments for that. Uh, it's not only just a time, actually, because sometimes you can give people longer appointments, but they have no idea what to do with that time. And some people they actually ran out of things to say. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about the profession of the vets, which I used to do before. It is apart from the longer time, which gives you the scope of communication, your skill in communication must improve as well to be able to maximize that time, to use that time carefully uh, or, or uh, productive, uh, productively to be able to create the result that you want with the client. And as you mentioned, clinical competence is paramount. However, 
as uh, taught by many um, the vet business gurus out there like Brian Faulkner and Alan Robinson and you know Caroline Crow and Alison Lambert. Uh, there are four outcomes that you want in the vet practice really. One is um, um, patient clinical resolvement. You need to solve the clinical problem. Then you have your client satisfaction. The client must be happy as well. So it's not only good just solving the clinical problem, the client is happy. Third one is that financial resolution. So that you must be paid for it and paid fairly. So, you know, it's there's no point doing the first two and you don't get paid or paid too little. And the last one is team harmony. How you can uh, do all the three things without driving everybody crazy. You must work good as a team as well. So as you can see, your competence as a vet clinically is only 25% of the equation. You still have yeah. the other three to contend with before you can be truly useful and of value in a vet profession. So, uh, sorry, I diverse, but back to your question of how long do we have is 30 minutes, but it's not how long we have is what do we do with the 30 minutes? And yes. how can we derive all these four clinical outcomes with that 30 minutes? Is a more important question, not just communication yeah. because you can talk about a holiday, no, but doesn't add any value. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the four points are really well made as well. I think all of those four are really important. And I suppose at the end, maybe if I could add a fifth one, we have to get satisfaction from it as well as vets, otherwise we won't stick around. And I feel I was very fortunate from the age of eight, I wanted to be a vet. I had to work really hard. I wasn't uh, super clever, but I managed at the second attempt to get to vet school, got through vet school without too much trauma. And then of course, what I've loved about the profession is you can set your own curriculum. Once you've qualified, whether you want to be a dermatologist, you know, whether you want to set up an online uh, education service, whether you want to talk more about the environment as I've done, to try and encourage people um, I, and I suppose what that all comes down to is I think I've got one of the best jobs in the world because also and I'm sure you get this as well Lennon um, I have uh, people you know you start a conversation with somebody you're beginning to get to know each other and, and obviously it's not long before the question is, is you know what do you do not what what are what do you, what are what do you be but what do you do uh, and of course, then you, I, you know, I say, I, although I'm not practicing or I do very few clinics, I say I'm a vet. And almost without exception, people go, oh, that's such a lovely job. And then they say, um, I've got a cat with scabs or a dog with scabs. Uh, that's usually the second question, which actually i don't mind i know sometimes people are at a party or whatever and they really don't want to talk about their job i think also particularly although i've always done it because i'm not practicing as much and particularly during the pandemic i had so many people who couldn't get hold of their vets who were friends or acquaintances who would come to me and say tell me a bit about this and this was very educational because i often couldn't see the pet or i could only see it via a screen um, but then again, you are very much educating. So I suppose my long way around it is to say, we are incredibly fortunate to do the job that we do. And yet, as you said at the beginning, uh, we're not really, or there is a percentage of the profession that's not thriving. I wonder, partly, 
I do think that as well as loving animals, it's really important to love people as well because it's a tough job if you're not that keen on people or, or you find people are a bit silly in the questions that, that they ask. So coming on to the book, which in fairness, I'm going to put my hand on my heart and say I haven't read yet, but I am looking forward to reading it. But tell us a little bit about the premise of the book, because I know it's you talking very much about being a vet for life. You're now almost 20 years a vet, so you can't be classed as a young vet anymore, Lennon. I'm 33 tomorrow, so I definitely can't be classed as a young vet. So, but you've very much, from that title, I presume you see veterinary medicine as a vocation and something that you've actually derived a lot of enjoyment out of as well. So perhaps tell us a little, if I've got that completely wrong about the book, I apologise. But otherwise, tell me a little bit about what the uh, what the book's about. Do you want to become a part of the largest online veterinary community in the world? The Webinar Vets membership is the perfect tool to easily complete your veterinary CPD or CE. Watch webinars anytime, any place, on any connected device. Become a member today and explore our library of over 2,000 premium quality webinars. We also care about the environment as well as your CPD or CE. That's why we plant trees for every one of our members. To find out more, visit thewebinarvet.com forward slash memberships or click on the membership tab on our website. Thanks for the question. Following from if, when, what you first said, when we graduate, we are allowed to form our own curriculum. And whether we are a dermatologist, orthopedics, or you know, environmental, things like that, I think one curriculum which many of us miss, including myself, for many, many years is the potentially, arguably, the most important curriculum of all, of being ourselves, a happy human. Before you can do, you can, before you can do anything else, we should be grounded in what we do already because if not, you run in the whole uh, event of which we are seen as well. You become a specialist. You know so much about one particular topic, but you do not know how to be happy and you're miserable. <laughs> You can be the top surgeon, the top brain surgeon, neurosurgeon, dermatologist, whatever, because you have done a course and uh, because you have done all your residency and things like that, and diploma and things like that. And, but you forget how to be happy. You forget how to what is fulfillment, what is achievement, and that is, I think, one thing that is quite elusive. Uh, and what people don't really understand, or rather, what they don't realize, is that just like any other topic that that can be learned, that can be learned as well. But we don't put enough CPD for it. We put in our CPD 35 hours a year for all those so-called clinical topics that we deem to be very, very important. We forgot the most important CPD of all, understanding yourself. And that, and that starts from the root of it before I even talk about client satisfaction. How do you get a client to be satisfied if you're not satisfied yourself? Your external reflects your internal. If you're getting yeah, unhappy clients, much. it probably is because you're unhappy yourself. As a business, what I've learned is that we attract the clients that we are. So if you're getting difficult clients, it's very, very likely that you may be difficult as well. Don't ask yourself that. Ask your team members whether you're a difficult person. <laughs> so before understanding all the sort of things, all the amazing CPDs is available, if we don't understand ourselves, all those CPDs are just building on a very, very weak foundation. Because ultimately, if you can't satisfy yourself, you can't do anything else. Um, where, and 
bearing in mind that as Anthony has a very, very thankfully pointed out, I'm almost 20 years graduate. And whenever I go for sort of a congresses and things like that, I always go, no, you're too young. And when people are saying they're like, I'm qualified for three years, I'm like, you don't look old enough to drink. So they just look younger <laughs> and younger every time. So we have to join them <laughs> at some point in time whereby we're all getting older. But the reason why I wrote this book is, as the, as the title of the book suggests, it's a vet for life. And how, as uh, Anthony mentioned as well, when I tell people I'm a vet, I usually get two sort of uh, responses. One is, cool, I always wanted to be a vet. In my head, I'm thinking, if everybody thinks it's so cool and they want to be a vet, why do we have such high depression, high attrition, and high suicide rate? Where is a mismatch? It's such a noble profession. Everybody wants to be it. But us in the profession, we're getting all those sort of rubbish and we want to get out of it. So there's a huge mismatch over there. The second one is, you are a vet, you must be minted. Now I was like, oh yeah, of course. That's also another <laughs> thing, which I'm like, mm, really? But there we go. And what I understand is that, you know, what our profession has become, okay, all the pros and cons of it, and what we moan about anything else, people, uh, how the public always perceive us as a uh, ripoff and, uh, charging too much and things like that, uh, and or not compassionate or any any negative things that they say about us. I think first of all we have to understand that we did this to ourselves. We are the one who set the prices. We are the one who chose a fifteen minute consult. We are the one who chose a ten minute consult. We chose a structure that way, and we chose to speak yeah. in a certain way and present ourselves in a certain way. And that's a reflection. The external always reflects internal. So until we take responsibility for that and realize that we cause all these things from happening, nothing is going to change, including ourselves. So one of the reasons, and not the main reason, one of the reasons why I wrote this book is because, uh, like I said, vet for life, I would like to help vets to actually vet for life, not just vet for five years or vet for two years or vet for 10 years and have all the issues with that. Uh, and what I do feel, and as challenging as the BVETMAT or you know the, the, the five-year or six-year program of vet medicine uh, has entailed, we will all agree, very rightfully so as well, pretty much 80%, if not 99%, is all based on clinical stuff. Yeah. And not much on non-clinical stuff. Yeah. Like communication, self-understanding, and things to allow you to thrive for life, not just for one or two years and get burned out, so to speak. So uh, this book, Vet for Life, uh, it's to help passionate vets like ourselves to actually thrive and not just survive in this seemingly difficult environment uh, shown by the stats, not by myself. And what I found was that, I, I mean, I love vetting and I cannot think of anything else I'd rather be than a vet. And, I, and after that, I also asked myself, okay, so why am I thriving and the rest are not? What am I doing differently or thinking differently or anything like that? And it's not just myself. So I started a survey, uh, this is about two years ago now, um, of interviewing vets who are at least uh, 10 to 20 years qualified and love vetting. And I was just speaking to them and finding, uh, ask, asking them pertinent questions. And after that, so like, why are you still in this profession? You know about a high depression, high dropout rate and na 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 why do you love it? What's so different about you? Why, why do you think it's the situation? And anyway, I was just quizzing them and things like that. And after that, we found a common thread. I, I found a common thread. I was like, there, there is something over there. This, this bit of information, the way they think, the way we think, that needs to be shared upon other people, shared with other people to potentially help to influence other people to improve their, 
likelihood of thriving and not just surviving in this amazing, noble, wonderful profession. Mm. And uh, hence, uh, the, the book was born that way, where it teaches, uh, where it shows uh, all the, what we call the non-essential critical stuff that you need to know apart from clinical. It's nothing clinical about the book at, at all. There's, n- there's no CPD on dermatology, ophthalmology, or anything like that. It's all talking about all the non-critical essentials that's what they're called, non-critical, but the essentials mm. to allow you to thrive, not just survive in this particular profession. So it starts with uh, remembering why you became a vet in the first place um, and others falling on to, okay, um, what are you going to do? How, how, how are you going to look for your first job um, and how to sort of um, gauge what your first job is going to be like and little tips of how to help with the interview um, where you first get your first job because you know arguably your first few jobs is more foundational yeah. rather than just um, rather than just another job so to speak so if you get the first few jobs those are a huge factor to see how long you're gonna last as a vet as well whereas if your first jobs are not as supportive as it could be for you individually then it may be likely to uh, mar your thoughts and experience of being yeah. a vet in the first place. Then after it's got other other bits of it talking about finance as well, which nobody ever talks about uh, ever, um, about because um, about our pay because we always talk about how little vets are paid and people want more money and things like that, but we don't really understand that money that much. And my sort of uh, a suggestion would be just like any other subject like ophthalmology, all these sort of things, you can learn finance just like that. Okay, so it is a question of whether you are you are going to do that or not. If you are, great, you understand more about your own personal finance, not just for betting, just personal finance in general. If you're not, then be be sort of uh, be prepared <laughs> for pain <laughs> when you don't understand about money. Because there's plenty of amazing, well-established vets who are very, very good at what they do, but still remain poor or broke. So it doesn't correlate to the amount of achievement you have in your mm. CPDs and things like that. So we develop a little bit of finance and also more importantly, how to negotiate your salary yeah. because people always want more money, but they actually don't know how to do that. Uh, don't know how to negotiate. So we go through how to negotiate salary as well. Uh, we also talk a little bit about a the bit of what if things go wrong, you know, uh, and that's what we don't really talk about in general as well. What happens if a bitch spay goes wrong? Somebody complains. You get a letter of complaint, RCVS disciplinary hearing, yeah. all those sort of things. What happens when things go wrong? How should you feel? What should you do? And all sorts of things. Um, so we discuss about that as well. Just, we also um, discuss a little bit about sort of. Um, that, yeah. There's there's a lot going on there. So obviously a lot for us to read about. But I think it's um, you know it's important. We probably aren't the best paid profession, but. Again, all of the studies that I see, happiness and money are not related, you know, up to a certain point. We, and of course, we have the cost of living crisis at the moment, which I realize is, you know, difficult for people. But once we reach a certain um, plateau of money, actually getting more of it doesn't make you happy. So it is much more about your experiences, your relationships the money. Money is obviously important because without it, you know, you can't live in a house, etc., etc., which I obviously get. But it's it's also interesting, you know, from my perspective as a business, we don't see ourselves as a profit-centered business. 
we see ourselves as a purpose-centered business because we want to help vets, similarly to you, um, you know, to be the most confident because they've done the training, they walk into the consulting room, uh, and, and obviously we, we do clinical training, as I said, but we also have positive mindset type training and mindfulness training. But if you go into the consulting room and you have a very good idea of how to approach that case, that confidence, I think, will also help you in your profession. You're less worried about cases. You're not asleep, you know, awake at night worrying about did a bitch bay, you know, make it through. Because Absolutely. if your techniques and your strategies are good, then most cases will have good outcomes. Um, so I think it's so important. And I think most veterinary practices are purpose-centered. But as you say, if you're purpose-centered and add value and add lots of value, then the money kind of follows behind without us being too obsessed with the money, doesn't it? Yep, I totally agree with that. So it's how you view money in the first place. Money is just money. It's a conduit. And if you use the idea of money is a byproduct of value creation, yeah. an argument to yourself would be there's no problem with creating more value. You don't chase the money. You can't chase the money. Money is an idea. You have yeah. good idea, you have good money. Bad idea, bad money. No idea, no money. <laughs> so money is just an idea. Yeah. So don't chase the money. But uh, what 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 is a good reminder for all of us is that most vet practices they are like you said they're purpose driven, they're purpose centered, and not profit making, which is all great, if there is no other issues with that. But we know right now that vets are being burnt out. They're seeing too many people. Yeah. They're not making enough money. That particular model. Still, need, still needs adjusting. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, definitely. So, you see what I mean? Because if we keep doing that, we get the same results. Yeah, we burn out, of course. Just um, to finish off, Lennon, obviously you've you've written the book, which again is a big uh, thing to do. You know, to, to be a, an author of a book is something that not everybody does. Um, how involved was that? How did you uh, have the discipline to do that as well as run a practice and have you self-published or is this published by uh, a publishing house? Uh, great question. So just to be very clear, so, so this is the third book I've written. So um, the first one was given in COVID and that was more for pet guardians, how to establish um, the best relationship with a vet so they get the most out of the vet so the pet wins. And that book is called, Is My Vet For Real? Aim at Pet Guardians. Then uh, for this particular one, is aimed for specifically for vets, really. And, uh, and just to say as well, all sort of uh, profit goes to vet life as well for that, for the sale of the book. Um, so yes, I. how do I get disciplined? So I suppose it's just finding out your why, really. Why you're going to do that? And that allows you to plan your time. I'm a very, very not disciplined person. So I'm not some special person that is very self-disciplined at all. So, but having said that, what we do know is that we there's no there's no such thing as time management. It's more self-management. Yeah. How do you dedicate your time and what do you have to do that for? If you really think it's important enough, you will find time for it and put time aside to write that. So I've been writing it so consistently uh, for the past year of last year, and before uh, sort of sending off to publishers early this year and getting it finally published in June. And uh, I self-publish uh, with Amazon uh, for two different reasons. One is that it is not easy to get published in the first place. Um, so 
who am I? I'm not J.K. Rowling. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't be touching me with a barge pole. And certainly for professionals just like us, when we are writing a book like this, um, it is not to sell millions of copies. It's just to get it out into the very, very niche environment. In our case, it's a vet profession to want to help the vets. Hmm. So, and secondly, uh, and, and with the Amazon right now, it's so easy to self-publish anyway. Hmm. So, uh, for those who want details of self-publishing, please do give me a private message or something and you can catch me on, you know, all the usual conduits of LinkedIn and Facebook and I can tell you how. Uh, the second reason is uh, certainly, without something too random as well, when you use a publishing house, which I didn't even realize until I looked into it, they actually own the rights, not you. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wanted to, obviously, it's my book. I, I, wanted, I want to design it myself. I want to write it how I want it to be written and I don't want anybody to disturb it and change a cover page or anything like that. Mm. So I just wanted more autonomy with it. And if anything comes out from the book, um, then at least I still own the rights. For example, like for uh, for Harry Potter, if it becomes a movie, J.K. Rowling gets a little bit of it, but the publishing house gets most of it because it's from the book. The The content of the book becomes the rights of the publish, uh, publishing house. Whereas uh, I wanted to own the rights myself. So... For me, it certainly did not make sense to go to the publishing house. And who knows, Lennon, it's happened before veterinary books can be turned into films and television series. So who knows what might happen? <laughs> Possible, but not likely. But there you go. <laughs> that was an intention. Lennon, it's been great to speak to you. And thank you so much about the book. I mean, the final one from me is, uh, I've just read a book called 4,000 Weeks, which was all about time management or self-management. And it was at exactly that point some of the time management books are actually selling us a bit of a dream. One of the most important things is to realize that your time is limited, that you can't do the 50 things that you want to do, but perhaps you can do the two or three things that you want to do really well. So concentrate on what you're passionate about, uh, what you want perhaps to leave the world in a better place around. Mine is very much around animal welfare, but also the planet, so the environmental issues that we're having at the moment how can i make a small dent into that as individuals you know we're we're probably not going to change the world on our own but as small uh, as individuals get together into small groups then we can we can really change the world so thank you for this important work you're doing i think as you said from the book and interviewing people there are lots of vets who are really satisfied in their career yes it's a busy job but it's vocational Sadly, there are some people who who it isn't the right thing for or or they leave. And hopefully this book will help to um, help people make the right decisions if they should or they shouldn't leave, but also maybe if they should even start in the profession in the first place. So thank you so much for writing the book um, and for taking the time today to speak to me. I know you've got a 12 o'clock appointment so I'm going to let you go so you can prepare for that and be in a good space but it's uh, it's been great to speak and hopefully speak again soon thanks so much Ben. thank you thank you thanks everyone for listening again Uh, this is Anthony Chadwick this has been Vet Chat see you soon